As we continue worshiping together this morning, please receive these first words taken from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, please rise as you are able and receive these words from the Gospel according to Mark, 12th chapter, beginning in the 38th verse. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in log robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Receive what the Spirit is saying. invite you now and all of us here together to pray. Good shepherd, draw near to us. Send forth your spirit and your grace to guide all of us because we do need you all the time. And I pray that your spirit would fall afresh on me and help me to preach. In the name of Jesus, amen. You prepare a table before me, O God, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Last week, I noted that in the part of the Psalm 23 that we studied last week, the psalmist had shifted from talking about God to talking with God. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, and that tender, personal, intimate conversation continues today into verse 5. Oh God, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You, oh God, anoint my head with oil. Today, I want to invite us collectively to simply draw near to the table, the metaphorical table, 
that God prepares for us and to explore each one of the blessings that we receive there. You, O oh God, prepare a table for me, for you, for all of us. We've seen the table begin to be created today. We had some things on it. Pastor Ben and one of our children helped us prepare that table to have the things that we need to be sustained. And I totally agree with Pastor Ben that ice cream is one of the major food groups and must never be forgotten. I learned this in the lap of my father, and I continue to hold that true. We've prepared the table. We've prepared it together. And God has prepared a table for us. I want us to think for a minute about, um, about what it takes. I've started to feel a little bit anxious because today is November the 14th. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that what is right around the corner? Thanksgiving. And what does that tell me? That tells me that I am not sure how I'm going to get all the preparations done for the people that are coming into my home uh, this year. I am grateful that I get to have people in my home this year. Can we get an hallelujah for that? Now, not everybody. Let me just say, I rejoice, but I also mourn with those who remain uh, needing to, to keep some distance because of their children's vaccination status. But we know that this year, some of us are able to connect, and that means that it takes all that preparation. What does it take to prepare? It's a lot of work. Think about a time when someone has prepared a table for you that made you feel so cared for and so loved. What was it that made it feel so? Perhaps it was clear that the person preparing the table for you really knows you. Perhaps they remembered all your allergies and perhaps they had all of your favorites or at least some of them waiting for you when you came through the door. Perhaps things were done to make sure there was plenty of room so that you would be fully comfortable and that the invitation was very clear that you could come and bring anything or anyone that you needed or wanted to bring with you so that you could be fully present. And perhaps they knew that you had fallen down some stairs and broken your ankle and needed to put your foot up at the table so that it wouldn't be throbbing halfway through and had made sure there was room at the table so that you would have the accommodation you needed. People who love you, a well-prepared table, represents that kind of care, that kind of thought, that kind of deep knowledge, that desire to make sure that you have all you need and know that you can be present fully just as you are. God prepares a table for you. God prepares a table for you. And God prepares a table for you and for me in the presence of our enemies. Now, what does that mean? I want to submit to you that it is not 
in fact, as some might think about, uh, well, my God loves me, look at my table. You didn't get that table, look at that table God prepared for me. This is not about showing off. This is not about saying, ooh, my God's better than your God. This is not about saying, I'm better than you or I have more than you. I want to share with us that I believe what the psalmist is saying here is that God prepares a table in the presence of our enemies, which means that it's about God's care and about God's protection and God's sustenance, even in moments of deep challenge and danger. In the midst of things or feelings or temptations or in the presence of persons that threaten us, God is right there providing for us even still. When we are eaten up with fear or with worry over broken relationships and or when we feel alone or misunderstood or under attack or simply not being able to receive what we need from the people who are around us, when we are eaten up with all that kind of angst and fear, God makes sure that we eat like an Italian grandma, manja. God sustains us in the moments we can't imagine getting through. God prepares the table in the moments of danger, in the presence of enemies, and gives us what we need. Perhaps what we're given is a listening ear at the table, or it may be a come to Jesus talk that we need to receive at the table, or maybe it's a little humble pie that we need to consume at the table, or it might be extra protein to give us strength, or perhaps it's some divine soup to cure some illness. It might be comfort food to soothe our weary soul or our broken heart. God's table prepared for you, for me, is abundant with grace, sufficient for every need. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. I remember almost 30 years ago when I was in India and invited into the small home of a new friend in the Dalit village where I and the group I was with had been invited to spend the night. And after being there in that small space for just a short time, the woman of the house asked if she could do something with my hair. And she proceeded to pour a perfumed oil over my head, to massage it in to all the strands, and to adorn my hair with flower garland. I've learned since that in ancient Indian Sanskrit, 
The word sneha means to oil. It also means to love. And to oil another's hair in that place is in the tradition of bonding. It's about making a connection. That afternoon, what I was offered was such a generous gift, an act of hospitality, a tender, loving act. It was an honor. And remember that this community, the Dalit community, were those who had previously been called the outcast. The one pouring the oil over my head was coming from a place of deep poverty. Such generosity, such extraordinary hospitality, such an act as will never be forgotten. In the Bible, anointing is associated with honor of a different kind. It has to do with chosenness as a king or a queen or Messiah, which literally means anointed one. But its more general connotation in scripture is that the one whose head receives the oil poured over it is simply special, called by God to do something. Holy oil is used by many Christian traditions at the moment of baptism or confirmation. It's a ritual act that harkens back to the biblical stories and for Christians connects us to our calling to follow Jesus, the anointed one. Now consider for just a minute, at the table prepared for us by God, God anoints our heads with oil. You and me are anointed by God. All of us, not just one of us are chosen, not just one of us are anointed, not just one of us are chosen and special, not just one of us are called to do big things. All of us are anointed by God. Called to do what we can. Big things for God's love and justice. And so, what we've learned so far, in just a few words from verse 5 of Psalm 23, is that God prepares a table in the midst of whatever's happening and even in the midst of what we don't think we can survive. And at that table anoints each one of us an act of extraordinary tenderness and honor and calling and value and love. And so it's no wonder that the next thing the psalmist says 
as my cup overflows. An overflowing cup is a sign, a metaphor for gratitude. My cup overflows. The psalmist says, my cup overflows. And the blessings keep coming. My cup overflows. And my cup overflows. My cup overflows. And if we were to continue pouring out and putting bigger and bigger vessels under this chalice, under this cup, there would not be enough container. There would not be a big enough place. There would not be a big enough thing to hold the overflowing of God's love and grace and provision and mercy, tenderness, honor, bounty. It splashes all over everything. It runs where it will. It wants to land and to feed us. Oh God, you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil, and we are so grateful. Our cup overflows. I've asked Rabbi Harold Kushner, through his book, to be our companion on this journey over these weeks. And he reminds us of some things. Sometimes in our lives, we can get caught in a glass half, half full, glass half empty debate with ourselves when we're overwhelmed or when we're weary, the glass can seem not only half empty, but all the way empty. It's easy to lose the larger perspective. Psalm 23 calls us back to that larger vision. It reminds us that while we don't have control over most things in our lives, we do have control over how we receive them, how we hold them, the perspective in which we hold them. Kushner says this, reading between the lines, we can infer that the author of the 23rd Psalm did not have a life free from pain and problems. The psalmist has had to confront enemies, has known the feeling of being in the valley of the shadow of death. But the psalmist can praise and thank God for all that God has done, not because life has been easy, but precisely because life has been hard. And God the shepherd has brought the psalmist through 
it all. And so if the psalmist's eyes have grown dim with age, thanks are lifted to God because there is still some sight. If people close to the psalmist have died, they're grateful because they've known that loved one's love. For the psalmist, Kushner says, the issue is not whether the cup is half full or half empty because he's learned to see everything in life, including life itself, as a gift. That all is given. And because of that perspective, the psalmist's cup of blessings overflows because once you're paying attention, once you know it and name it, it's so clear. God brings us through, even when it feels like you don't have anything. Kushner goes on to remind us of a story I love, so I'm gonna tell it. Um, story from 2 Kings 4, in which there is a woman who comes to the prophet Elisha for help because her husband has died and left her and her children with many debts. And she comes pleading to the prophet Elisha. And Elisha says, what can I do for you? What do you have? And she says, I need your help. All I have, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything but a small jar of oil. And Elisha said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go send your children into the community, gather as many vessels and containers as you can find and bring them into your house. And then I want you to take that one small jar of oil and I want you to pour it out into the vessels. And so that's what the woman did. And she poured out the oil, and as she poured out the oil, vessel after vessel was filled, and the oil kept flowing. It kept flowing until the very last container had been filled. Rabbi Kushner says, our ability to enjoy God's blessings is more a function of our capacity to receive them than of any limitations on God's ability to bless us. You see, friends, there is no limit to God's goodness and God's desire to pour out into our lives what we need. I love connecting this verse from Psalm 23 with the story of the woman and the oil because it not only provides another example of God's desire to provide for us in our need, but also reminds us, did you notice this part? It reminds us that when members of the community offer what they have, God's blessings are able to continue to flow. 
The communal contribution of jars and vessels allowed the oil to be continually poured out, to be collected, and then used for food. Perhaps, if you know how some of these things go in certain places around the world, they had something they could then begin to sell and reproduce that was a sustaining gift that served not only the woman and her children, but flowed out into the community to create food and to allow others to be anointed. You see, it was only when there were no more jars that the oil stopped flowing. Early in this series, I shared with you that there is no good reason for us here at Foundry to struggle to sustain the ministry and the mission of Foundry. Sometimes we can get so afraid, think we don't have enough, but there's so much abundance among us, so much abundance among us. It, it really, to sustain the mission and ministry of Foundry Church, all it requires is that each one of us contribute, that we give as much as we can. Because honestly, if we did that, we would, we would have an overflowing cup. We would have more than enough. If each one of us truly gave as much as we can, even if it seems that our very best is just a small jar of oil or a widow's mite, those gifts, as we see in the scriptures, are powerful for the work of God. Every year I share with you that I never ask you to do anything that I am unwilling to do myself. And I want you to know, not for any other reason than my own um, leadership, my own sense of calling, I want you to know that I give to Foundry over 10% of what I receive in my paycheck, more than a tithe, a tithe is 10%. I give more than a tithe back to Foundry from what I receive in my paycheck, and every year I increase what I give to Foundry, even if it's just a little bit, as a sign of my commitment to grow toward a tithe of my, com my total compensation. This is a stretch for me. My spouse will affirm that. If you think you're the only one having those conversations. <laughs> this is a stretch for us. It's a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual discipline. And it's a way for me to practice putting my faith and trust in God and practicing concretely gratitude. God prepares a table for you and for me and for us as this Foundry family. The abundance of the table is amazing. There's no need for us to get caught in fear about our cup ever being half empty. <laughs> God's blessing flows into our lives and in so many ways. And as we allow those blessings to overflow in our own gratitude and generosity, our contributions provide the means for others to be blessed in all the ways that that happens among us here at Foundry, through our mission, through our ministry.
as we draw the circle wider, as we welcome all to the table, as we prepare a table as foundry with justice and with joy, God's abundance will not only fill our communal cup, but will overflow. I want to invite you, if you have not already done so, take the four minutes, less than four minutes, to watch the video that kind of captures some of the vitality and the ministry and impact of this community that we share and create together. Take a moment, if you haven't already, to read through the Prepare the Table booklet that some of you received at home and that is available, easily found online on our website. If you haven't yet already done so, give a little bit more time and listen to our music director, Stanley Thurston's presentation from two weeks ago. It's online, easily found on our, our social media. If you can't find it, just email me. I will hook you up. Last week, Pastor Ben shared a vision that is profound and powerful about our long-term impact in this community to serve those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ and the justice of our God. Do yourself a favor and be nourished by these, these gifts that flow from the table that is ours at Foundry. Friends, what can you do to help prepare the table? What will you return to God in gratitude and love? How will you help prepare a table that's big enough so that all the overflow will never cease to trickle out and nourish and change lives? What a joy to do that work together. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.